Welcome to another edition of the Southwest Climate Podcast. As always, Mike Crimmins is here. Zachary. It's good to see you. It's been a while. It's good. Yeah. We have a lot to talk about. Oh my gosh. You yeah. Know what? what did we do? Like we, we, we called upon the skies and the skies responded, I guess, so, in the last, last podcast. Yeah. So the last time we talked about the monsoon, it was at the end of a, a very long dry period. And yeah. I do recall you pining for wet yeah, conditions. Usually when I complain about stuff, it reinforces the opposite, but this actually is, is I think, reinforcing bad behavior with me. It sounds like if we bask in this too much, that we're going to get an opposite response over the next couple of weeks. Well, what do you think? Well, that's the, that's the beauty of the monsoon. Again, I, I, I've been saying this. We've been saying this. It's a, it's a pretty existential experience. That's <laughs> right. But you know what? So now we are playing with house money. It's house money. You know, that's good. That's where we are right now. Because we, we're basically at average. At the airport, right? There's a Tucson airport, I shouldn't know too. There may be people outside of Tucson listening to this. Okay, so we are past the midpoint. We're out of your center aisle. We're out of the we're, center we're, aisle. We're, the monsoon season doesn't officially end until the end of September. It just feels like the monsoon is rapidly closing. It's the sun angle for me. It's the day length where you know that the monsoon is is checking its bags, looking to see what it's got packed up and it's going to, it could leave at any moment, which is my worry now. Okay. So I think what we should do is just narrate where we've been and how we got to this this current area okay. position yep. where we're playing with house money. So you want to start right on June 15th. You know, we're all sort of starry eyed looking forward. Yeah, so I, I see this as sort of four phases. Okay, I like your phases. The beginning of the monsoon started phases. early, off to a bang. You know, if we okay. were, you know, we're the Jamaican uh, uh, <laughs> four by 100. There you go. 100 yep. team. Yep, solid. We entered into July with a protracted dry period. We talked about that. Break or, or late start? Break or late start. My, I, I think it was, a, it was an early start. It was a break. You think, I don't know what you I, think. I don't know. I just, I just like to get in your head. That's mostly what, <laughs> mostly what I've been doing here. And so we ended the podcast last time right at the onset of like four or five days of widespread activity. Yeah. So the, I think that we started to shift into a deeper, more consistent monsoon pattern starting right about that late July. I think we actually had a surge or two, Gulf surges, some real honest to goodness ones that put us back into deep moisture. And we hadn't actually had them until that point. So the late June, there was a big slug of moisture. You know, the dew points in Tucson, at least, rose to the above 65 degree range for the daily average dew points. And then we slacked way off into below 50s for that dry um, section in the middle of early part of July. And then it was right about the time of our podcast that the dew points rose to above 65 and have been above 65, at least above 60 consistently for several weeks now. And it's only been in the last couple of days that we've started to see that dry out. And so that that carries for Phoenix clearly at a lower level. We were in really good, solid, deep moisture for about two weeks there. And then it was just kind of waiting around on a day-by-day basis to see if anything would trigger off storms in any given location. Late July, early August, there was the conditions, the sort of regional conditions that were favorable for fairly widespread precipitation. Particularly, there was this this one, I think it was the Friday, the maybe the last Friday in July or the first Friday in, in August, but there was a, just this line of storms that, yeah. that set up that yep. swept east to west 
actually entrained dust all the way into California. I think about that time we were had really nice deep moisture across the state and we had the orientation of the upper level high pressure system was off to the north and uh, slightly off to the northwest. And so what ends up happening is that upper levels of the atmosphere, the wind is out of the northeast, which if you have that moisture at the low levels can be a really nice co- a combination or situation. So what ends up happening is the storms fire along the Mogollon Rim and the orientation of that Mogollon Rim is sort of from northwest to southeast. The steering flow then pushes the storms off of the rim towards the low desert locations, and they're interacting with deep moisture, so the convection is strong, Mm -hmm. and in that strong convection means that they're going to put up real tall towers of convection, put down heavy rain, and then actually put down an outflow, so that's that gust of cool wind you see uh, or feel come out of the storms. And that orientation then, they can organize into actually a squall line where that outflow will be a wedge, like a little mini cold front, and force new storms in front of it and then continue to propagate. And so, you know, we were watching in Tucson and you could literally see it coming. I mean, you could see the towers, the curvature of the earth, you could just see over the Catalinas to the northeast. You could see the anvils. The upper level winds above that were actually moving the anvils away, which was a, a good thing. Steering direction was towards us. And by the final wave, you could see this cloud envelop the Catalinas. And then you knew that the gust front was sort of pass, going through the passes and then over the top of the mountain. And then it was just a matter of time of waiting for it to sort of scoop all the way through uh, Tucson. So yeah, it's just like a perfect situation. It was striking to me, though, that these storms can can propagate for that yeah, far. in an organized way, right? And, they and even, so those even hit Phoenix. You know, a couple of the blogs we read and um, the meteorologists were discussing is that it's uh, Mike Luthold who runs our weather research forecasting model, the WERF model, that we all hang on its every modeling run. He was saying this is sort of an equivalent of sort of a tropical squall line. But it was literally a squall line that can organize itself and move southeast. It's also uh, known affectionately as a rim shot here by the forecasting community. And so that's that situation that we know when these situations arise that they can put down widespread precipitation. Sometimes they they can, depending on the lower level conditions, be real um, wind producers too. And so that was actually that outflow part of it was that we ended up getting a lot of the rain and the wind on the front end of it. But that outflow propagated all the way, you know, it's heavy air at this point now too. So it has a has a, uh, a gravity component to it and it flows downhill. Uh, and so it did all the way into California. So what was also surprising to me about those, those couple days is there was intense and widespread precipitation every single day. We had a run of days. It was well over eight days where we were getting measurable precip. We can get 65 to 70 degree dew points and have nothing happen for two weeks. We just had the right factor of, of combination of the synoptic setting, meaning where the weather patterns were and that steering flow and the moisture that we were able to sort of get repeat events day after day. And that's hard to do, right? Yeah, because so, sometimes we so end up getting is up, day, do? down. When you're just relying on the atmosphere at that location, which has instability to put up a storm and then put down rain at that, unless there's some mechanism to reset the atmosphere, which we sort of talk about, which means you've got to actually move new air in from some other direction right. and sort of you know mix out that lower level stability but isn't to, un- to make it unstable again. For widespread precipitation, you have to have the sort of regional conditions in place. Normally the, the monsoon, some of the conditions are favorable and therefore you get really isolated precipitation. It rains somewhere, yeah. but not 
everywhere and not actually a, a lot less of the area is covered with precipitation than is covered with precipitation. Right. Right. Some of the, the conditions are, are, are present, but you don't have these organizing uh, organizing events. You know, every monsoon season that I've gone through, and I think I'm on my 15th or 16th year, they've gotten more complex. Like, I feel like I, you know, I, more. I, I know less. Every year <laughs> that I go through, I feel like, huh, I, that is way more complicated than I thought. This year, and again, it's like another slight different flavor, which I guess is the really fun part about it, is that they they just absolutely sort of stymie you. All right, so what what flavor is this one then? Oh, geez. It's, you know, this one's got, it's not like one of those sort of, it's not even like a single chocolate. It's not even a Neapolitan where it's sort of simply three. We're now into some crazy nut cluster ribbon, <laughs> maybe even some random candy. Yeah, some Ben and Jerry's some, like. Yeah, some crazy Ben and Jerry's flavor that is like, why would you even put that in combination of Rocky Road and like the marshmallow <laughs> exactly. yeah, chocolate. And, and coffee grounds or um, spaghetti or something like that. Yeah, some some we've seen a lot of different stuff. Now, but you reflect back, it's like, now I go back. I probably only had like, you know, my, my palate was only like chocolate, vanilla, and maybe Neapolitan in the past. Right. It's now I'm like understanding like, oh my gosh, there are so many more ingredients uh, to these monsoons. Does the fact that there are so many ingredients to it make it seem like precipitation is easier to come by or harder to okay, come so by? Okay, so this is, so there, there's the haves and the have-nots in every monsoon, right? And so in typically upper elevation locations are wetter, right? right? That, mm-hmm. So conv- mountains drive convection. That's like the primary and geographic location in the Southwest. If you, the further South you are, Southeast really, because Yuma doesn't get any precip, Southeast tends to be wetter too, right? And so that's just, so the mechanisms there. So Southeast Arizona is earlier and more persistently closer to the typically very frequent overnight convections happening in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And so they can, they can early and persistently get storm systems that slop in overnight and rain out. And so if, if you looked at Coronado National Monument or Douglas or Tombstone or yep. Bisbee, they've had just epic, fantastic monsoons, summers in a row now, right? Even while parts of the state have seen zero, right? right. So it's that sort of geographic. And then you go uphill, that's probably even more sort of reliable. The upper ele- We have upper elevation locations in Arizona right now that have not done well. They have not been sort of subject to the afternoon every day after locations, but some places have. Southeast Arizona has. Southeast Arizona and upper elevation locations in Southeast Arizona have done. I mean, Douglas is not really an upper elevation location. It's a valley location. It's just about 4,000 feet. I mean, if you look on top of Mount Lemmon, Mount Lemmon, uh, as of yesterday, had received almost 15 inches of rain. Yeah. Their their average is about uh, 12 and a half. It seems really socked in average for the mountains around here. The places that have, I think, screamed out ahead are Southeast Arizona Tucson proper has done magnificently this year, and we have in the past been out of it. The spatial variability is well in play this year. And even like if you look at some of the rain log observations or flood control or cocoa rise observations across just Tucson, there are folks who have since June 15th have 13 inches of rain, and there are people that have three inches of rain. Yeah, it's really, that's across even a 10 within, mile yeah, stretch. Exactly, there is that very is, high variability in the center moly. of center of Tucson and the center of yeah, yeah. of of, of the right. city has just done remarkably well. Then you start to look at the have-nots. You know, Phoenix it's been much tougher. They've had a couple of really good events. They are probably reasonably happy with how things have turned out because, you know, it's been sort of, it's been epically drier. I mean, yeah, they've, they've popped to above 
average for this time of year. They've not hit the seasonal average yet, but they've still got quite a bit of time. They had that really long. And we're only stretch. talking two, close to two inches. Yeah, and, and then, their and their average for the monsoon is about two and a half inches. Yeah, it's fairly dry. It's like half. More than half. We, we didn't say this. Tucson has received close to six inches. Already, this is the house money. I mean, this is this yeah. is the, that's I their average. Like, yeah, but you, it is not unprecedented for the monsoon to wane right about now to just stop. You know, we could have the monsoon ridge retreat. We have no tropical interactions. We could be out of it. Fair enough. There are examples of the monsoon, but there are counter examples. Yeah, there are counter yeah. All right, you're going to be the glass half full guy on this. Rain gauge half full. But I don't. Sort of but thing. there's also no clear patterns of one way or the other. No, I mean the predictability on this is horrible. Just using the the weather models from like seven to ten days right now, they're constantly changing. But everything that kind of comes out of the weather models right now is like, well, if these other two things were in place, that could be a great day for us. But without those two things, it probably won't do anything. They know that what happens on day two is contingent upon day one, right? Right. So, so we're talking on like a 12-hour forecast window. We also know that the East Pacific is still in play. The Madden-Julian Oscillation, which we talk about in the wintertime, which are these sort of slow-moving pressure patterns that go across, counter the circulation across the globe, can actually enhance or suppress mm-hmm. convection. There is some indication that we're moving into a suppression phase right now in the East Pacific, which would slow things down in the tropics, which that doesn't have any, it may not have anything of me of consequences, even if it was enhanced. There's some indication that September would be an uptick in East Pacific subtropical storm activity. So there's like all these things that are still completely in play. Well, in terms but, of- you know, I'm standing with climatology. <laughs> climatology does give us, well, if, give if- us a complete retreat. I mean, there are so many moving parts. Mm-hmm. And if you have, you know, if you have moisture around, there are a number of ways to produce widespread precipitation. The baseline condition is isolated convection somewhere. The base, yeah. yep. baseline condition. So you yep. have, in other words, if you were to look at the, uh, a, a map of the monsoon season, almost every day, a few days, there would be no precipitation anywhere, but most days would see some precipitation. That's right. That's sort of the baseline condition. Yep. Yep. And that's why when you look at, you know, the statistics, most places get around 20 to 25 days, a quarter of their of, of their days with, with precipitation, at least in, in, in southeast. Uh, yeah, that's right. And that's like Tucson, southeast, southeast. Yeah. Word. So right. this. Yeah, you go. And I think we talked about you go anywhere north. And that falls west. off. Yeah. As soon as you go downhill. There does seem to be a number of mechanisms to create precipitation. And you, you, you rattled off a few. You get the tropical storms. You get these mesoscale convective systems, which largely come up from Sonora. Yeah, they, they, can, kind of, they can come out of anywhere where the, in the previous day. So, okay, so these, these mesoscale convective systems or complexes are the actual clusters of thunderstorms themselves. They end up taking on sort of tropical storm-like characteristics because if you have a lot of storms in close proximity together and rising air, uh, you'll actually induce a pressure gradient at the mid-levels, and it will take on a low-pressure circulation. So those thunderstorms can actually, and they do, they, they will subside and die off, but the actual swirl is the mesoscale convective vortice which can continue to persist. And they can wander around high pressure systems or low pressure systems as little embedded disturbances. And so we had a, a cl- I think it was out of the event that you and I were talking about where it ended up sending that dust into California. That actually was this, 
amazing, beautiful, you know, it looked like a galaxy, like a spiral yeah, galaxy. Yeah, it had it was structure an, to yeah, it. Yeah, it was an MCV that was wandering yeah. off into the low desert. And often if they have moisture down in uh, California, it can, it can fire off low desert storms there and flood out Palm Springs and those kinds of things. More often those will occur in northern Mexico because they just they you know they're deep in the moisture they have the, the the elevation and they'll just fire off these massive complexes and then those circulations can wander up and be a focal point for us but you know in the remember the easterly flow is just sort of pushing them across northern mexico mm. instead of steering them up into us sometimes they get get steered up into us but often what they'll do is they will steer across northern mexico and if they're placed right they'll go across the gulf of mexico and induce a surge of moisture which will then all of a sudden we'll have a dew point jump and we then wait to see if that is enough to turn into convection for us up here by waiting for our own features to sort of organize up here. That was good. That was a good explanation of uh, mesoscale convective complexes or systems. So, so that's the thunderstorms. The MCVs are the leftover rotation that comes out of those things. You also mentioned the cold fronts. These are these sort of regionally organizing. Yeah. Um, so large, yeah, stuff that you would actually see on a weather map. Like a lot of stuff we're talking about, you can't actually even see it on a weather map because they're that vague and nondescript, which is actually one of the reasons they're so hard to sort of track and forecast. Cold fronts, on the other hand, are are typically, they're again, transitional. Like they actually were part of the story in the June stuff a little bit and just helping direct moisture up here. They become much more of a feature in September as we transition out of the monsoon. So are, are those then the events that are, are coming into us from the West? Yeah. Kind of classical mid-latitude way of thinking of a cold front is, is that it is cool, dry air mm -hmm. um, coming from a, a higher latitude. An easterly wave is an actual upper-level cooling pattern that is a little bit different. The fourth thing is, are these easterly waves? And and those occur as you have the position of the, the high pressure system to our north that allow the movement of the atmosphere to come from the east. Yeah, and you, you did that nice classification as we were kind of prepping for it was that, yeah, are they coming on the south side of the high with a good position of the ridge of, you know, north of us? Absolutely. Easterly waves are much more. I mean, they can they can be little wiggles that, that they're coming out of the east. They're, they're subtropical, tropical in their origin. So yeah, so you need to have that ridge ahead of, like north of you and to be in a good position. And right now we're in this sort of sloppy transition where we're getting shoved from the north by some really, and this has happened all summer, is that there've been deep, cold, low pressure systems pushing through the northwest and they've been hammering on the top of the ridge quite a bit. And so they've wobbled it in and out of position. And so the fact that the surges have been in place have really helped us sort of maintain activity even without a nice. Yeah, so we've had we've had persistent moisture. Yeah. Around. And you can envision though that the what's been happening sort of monsoon ridge wise that if we didn't have surges and we didn't have low elevation moisture kind of coming up out of the Gulf of California, we would have been in the doldrums again, like the early July. We got a little bit lucky by those surges being well timed and sort of persisting in keeping that moisture at the low, lower elevations to work with. By all accounts, if you just look at the monsoon up to this day, we've had a, above average monsoon. Who? So the, what's that? Who? Fine. Where? Southeast. Southeast. <laughs> you're right. So South, you're back, you're back Southeast there. Arizona Southeast, has been the winner. Yeah, it's I think that's right. It's been the clear right. winner. And, yep. and, and that area and is, we, is playing with- And we've been sharing with that. I mean, like Tucson proper has, has I think, shared in all some right. of that. Some of that glory. So maybe let's let's go around and let's look at some of the the other cities to see how they've they've fared. Albuquerque. Well, let's focus Oof. in on New, New Mexico. Albuquerque's been has not fared nearly as well. No, they've 
they have not done well at all. I mean, they're it, up until this point, they're running, they're running below average. Not, you know, they, they, you know, half an inch below yeah, average but I mean, up until this. But day. you look at, look at their, their sort of trajectory. They had a, they had a stretch until late July there, where they had had two or three events, and you know, they got looks like they got about three close to half inch events. A lot of this is in sort of contrast to some of the recent summers, which have been quite good. So that that I think is is problematic. And if you look at the pattern across New Mexico too, Albuquerque is in a little bit of a, a little, they've having their own donut hole problem, which Tucson often has and has not had this issue this year. They have indeed, except for Albuquerque, other places have picked up much more frequent precip. And I think overall, on balance, there are some pretty decent places that are average to above average. Um, again, you know, this is a classic of the monsoon. It's, it's very hard to paint a picture of a region beyond a specific location. Okay, so so Albuquerque so, yeah. hasn't hasn't done that no, well. No, Phoenix, yeah. in fact, at as of today, is faring above average at their airport. Well, if you look at the the observations across Phoenix, they are incredibly varied, even more so than across across Tucson. Tucson, by and large, has had very few places that have completely got left behind, but the, you know, Phoenix is much bigger. Right. And, you know, east and west sides and sort of the fringes of, of Phoenix have seen very little precipitation. You go to far parts of uh, west, uh, western Phoenix, you know, towards um, Tolleson or Sun City, there are observations that are about half an inch. And then there are some isolated places out by surprise that have gotten, you know, anywhere from two to almost three inches. And there's everything in between, right? And then there's some places in the central part of, of um, Phoenix that have gotten close to four inches. They have had only a couple of, like, um, you can count them on one hand, really the number of events that have been able to sort of push through the middle of Phoenix. There's a station, if you go and you drive to Yuma, and you go past Gila Bend, and I think it's uh, past Dateland, there's a little town called Takna, which has a long-term weather station there that we'll use for a lot of studies. Zero precip. They have not observed any precip yet this monsoon season, which is, and on average, they should see at least an, an inch, an inch and a half. Yeah, Probably that's... not unprecedented for them to have no zero, zero precip up to this point. But, you know, Yuma's gotten precip, and this, <laughs> this place up the road has not. So it's been, like, very, very quiet as you go down towards the southwest part of the state. We just haven't had the real big events that have really organized and rolled all the way to the lower Colorado River mm-hmm. Valley, which we've seen in the past. Or remember those those summers where even the tropical activity will kind of will climb right up the Gulf of California and then rain all the way up the lower Colorado River Valley into southern Utah? Really haven't had that yet this summer either. In my opinion, I felt like that we've had more days this year with the synoptic conditions favorable for the widespread precipitation, but you're, you're sort of con- contradicting that. Just paging back through all the ways that we got rain out of the atmosphere this year, it, it was a little messy and a little dicey from day to day, right? I mean, it wasn't like a, a slam dunk. If you remember, we got into that situation with Javier. I think it was right around Javier where we ended up having Javier wander across the Gulf of California and produce a, a wonderful surge surge right and just sock that was around had, august 9th august right 10th. But we had already had we'd already been in the moisture we'd already had a couple surges or reinforcing surges and that one just helped you know we got socked in with two inches of precipitable water for most locations like tucson and phoenix i'm pretty sure they were the record at least in the 30 or 40 year record of for the day 
that was the most precip water we had seen. You know, there was sort of widespread flash flood watch issued, and we did end up having a couple of of isolated flooding events, but it wasn't necessarily like every place got knocked yeah. down from the event. And that's just how these things work is that yeah. the atmosphere is like ready to go and there could be some wiggle on the satellite or the model didn't pick up that came out of Mexico and like just absolutely unleashed everything. And instead we ended up having like a little wiggle and this is where, where Tucson on that particular day ended up proper downtown, you know, locations and it was campus in large part, got two and a half inches in about three hours. And so that was like a center of gravity. But there were places that got no rain out of that. It wasn't all, remember with Norbert, where the Tucson proper ended up getting this long duration, heavy rain event, flooded out town and creates all this havoc. It was timing of it too. It was like over sort of morning rush hour and through the morning. So that was, it was like, that was the impact of the event. Uh, Sparked off by some storms that were south of us. The outflows came through and sort of triggered off the valley locations. The mountains, interestingly, didn't get as much precip as the valleys during that that situation, which is sort of similar with Norbert. That was probably where the similarities end with that. Playing with house money here, looking forward. You know, we're now rolling into the the meat of the tropical uh, storm season. Whether or not we, we get one is, you know, flip of the coin. You know, I think, you know, we're going to get, uh, I'm, I'm going to say what I said last time, which is I'm going to stand with climatology. I think we're going to get like an inch and a half of precipitation in the next, uh, in the in the next, um, you know, 30 days or so. And that's going to put us around eight inches for the, the airport. Oh, okay. You know? All right. That's an interesting interpretation of climatology. You're, <laughs> you're standing with the, the, the trend in the accumulation through the last that's right. right. I'm standing with climatology that we've we've hit our average, and that's all we're gonna get. Oh, I see. <laughs> like we're like I see. I say we're ahead of the game, and I think that we should be happy with that. No, I'm I'm combining the past with the expected future. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah. So for the monsoon to shut down, then I mean, yeah. under your pessimistic scenario, <laughs> yes, yes. What happens? Um, what's happening right now, basically, is is that the the high is overhead and it's retreating south mm-hmm. and we're starting to get shoved around by bullying um, low pressure systems coming out of the Gulf of uh, Alaska right now. So but that like, would have to be coming. persistent. Yeah, and it winter's could. Coming. Winter's coming. Winter's <laughs> coming, man. Don't you, didn't like you feel it? This is an episode of Game of Thrones. <laughs> didn't you feel it? <laughs> winter's coming. Winter's coming. The dew point dropped to 59. Yeah, it's but, 105 out. Yeah, but, but how how often does that happen f- persistently from mid uh, August onwards? Um. I, I don't know. I mean, if we're doing if we're going by climatology, you're in the minority there. No, I don't think so. I think that Ooh, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to look this we up. Actually, we we probably there probably is data and science that could be done but that to answer would, this question. But, but that I don't would basically have any that mean that the the monsoon would shut down from from now going. Which forward. is not so. If you think about the the climatology of the subtropical ridge, is um, it it moves into position sort of June to July. So think about it. It really is. We're we're largely talking about a phenomenon that is following the sun angle. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what it is, right? Because it's it's responding to a combination of land surface heating due to having a high sun angle in June. And then all of this interaction with exhausting the energy with all these storm systems. And then also the larger scale global hemispheric patterns sort of shoving it in. So as we get closer and closer to the equinox in September, the strength and the, the just the the possibility of the monsoon ridge hanging in there in a good spot is diminishes, right? So yeah. it's not it's not unheard of by the last week of August and moving into 
September that you're out of play. And if you look at the climate, but like, then, yeah, go for it. But then also you would have to take away the possibility of a tropical system, right. remnants of a tropical right. system. And this moving is like, in. man, we're, you're a lumper. I'm a splitter, man. So you want to throw that in the monsoon pot. And I'm like, that's not monsoon. That's not monsoon. It's maybe happening during the monsoon season. And we're very generous in giving September 30th a monsoon end date. Fair enough. Honestly, fair right? enough. I I agree yeah. with that. The last, the typically the last date in Tucson that we see um, rain is right around the fifteenth, right? It's like that. That is the average last rain event. I mean, it certainly happens after that, but it typically is because some other, like we're getting into tropical winter frontal type transition stuff. So under your scenario, it's uh, done, man. I, it was toast. Like it was toast like <laughs> th- six hours ago. Under so. your scenario, the monsoon didn't start. <laughs> it was. It only. It only. It occurred. only lasted for four days. Weren't you? And you weren't even paying attention. Oh, I mean, I, the point that I was making, Mike, and I think it's a good one. Okay. Well, thanks, <laughs> thanks, Zach. Okay. Is that I, I feel like the monsoon shutting down from ju- June or uh, excuse me, August fifteen onward is less like I don't have data to back this up. We yeah. Could, we could look at this. Yeah. Is less frequent than. Okay. Fair enough. Then s- right. the monsoon still periodically occurring. I give it. It's got. I give it ten days. It's got to do what it's going to do in ten days. So by the end of by the end of August, it's really the end of August. I mean, I really you're on borrowed time by the time you get. Well, to we're the playing end with house money, so you are. <laughs> I know. So even you're, even if the monsoon rolling sh- in it, even yeah. if the monsoon shuts down, this monsoon to me feels like it's been much more exciting. And so I was actually just pulled up last last um, last summer's plot here, and it was a very busy. Uh, October, uh, August 15th through September 30th. It's like we picked up. There were a bunch of little events. Well, yeah, but there's a fairly decent sort of mid to late September event as well, which I believe was tropical. Tropical, I can't even remember. Yeah. And so that was sort of, okay, I'll give it to you. Shows up on my monsoon plot. So I suppose I should call it monsoonish. We were having this conversation on August 18th last year. It was slightly below average. We were slightly below average. We were at about three and a half inches and we finished the monsoon with average, right? So I, I guess I, I see what you're saying as far as having house money. I, I still remember feeling like we got super lucky last year. Well, we got with, with we got the, boosted with, the, with the, the the moisture from the the. I, I don't recall what tropical storms they were, but I don't remember either. On the order of an inch and a half, um, at the latter half of September. Yeah, it was it was something that I mean made that it, that pulled us above average. Yeah, pull, and we would have finished for, for Tucson Airport. Yeah, it would have finished an inch below, but we finished almost an inch above based on those two events. And so that's it's like these catch up events. And we've had these in past monsoons, but they they are not I don't think the norm, right? I think that they certainly do happen, but again, I, I suppose that we could actually look at real well, data and yeah, actually quantify this. Well, we need to figure out you know how often and how much of September's precipitation uh, or, or the monsoon precipitation in general is influenced by these tropical storms. Whether or not, you know, you would call them monsoon or not, I think it's, it's you know. By and large, storms, any kind of precip happening from September 15th on is probably not in deep easterly flow yeah. with a strong ridge overhead. It probably isn't. I mean, I'm sure there's probably a handful that are. But I bet most of them are not. And no, I agree. You know, I agree is, with that. I mean, that and that's a relic of defining the monsoon, you know, through the end of September. Yeah, and it's a it's a it's a catch-all because I think if you look at the once you get in October, it it craters as far as the precip, except for the fairly direct hits of tropical 
activity, which are pretty few and far between. The, again, the transition month of September, which is now you have these cold fronts knocking on, on the door from the northwest, what they can do is they can help steer moisture in from the south into the region, and they can often provide dynamics because they're starting to act like cold fronts, and they are cold fronts, so they can, they can squeeze um, rain out of these these things that they are, they're trans. This is, you know, this is the typology that's been done by like Bob Maddox and others on monsoon as they call these transition. This is a transition month. And right. by that late in the month, it's not like you'd have in early August or late July. Okay. So I think we should, we should call it. <laughs> I think you're probably right. <laughs> I think you're probably right. I think where we stand right now in the s- Southeast Arizona is we're much above average. If we were to kill the monsoon right now, we're, we're going to end up at average Yeah, wait a minute. Let's just all go back to what was your bet for the monsoon total? You put me on the spot every I, single I'm episode. I'm not going to let you. I just, said it's going to be about 150% of average at the airport. That's why your house money is going down on the table right now. You need, I, I think I stand in climatology. I guess that is probably my stance is that. We run this thing out. I'm safe. We're good. For More, 150% to happen at the Tucson airport, the the character of the monsoon that we've had so far has to continue. It does. You need to have. And a, I think you need some more. Uh, and that's probably fairly hard. You got to roll some sevens here, man. I I don't know. I okay, Zach. Yeah. I mean, no. I mean, I I admit that that's. If 2015 happens for you again, if you look back, 2014 did this. 2015 did this. 2013 did not. Did did what? Gave you epic late August and late September. 2011 is the classic example of this where uh, it was at this point, us sitting here in August 18th talking about this, Tucson had had less than three inches and um, got had a run of days in mid-September that gave it almost six inches of rain and put it to being a uh, two and a half inches above average ridiculous drove me crazy that's that that monsoon drove me nuts because that was like all non-monsoon monsoon rain we'll be definitive we'll come back at the mid 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 to late september and do a wrap-up of the the monsoon season thanks for everybody for for tuning in and we'll see you in a month the southwest climate podcast is a production of climus which is part of noaa's regional integrated science and assessment program and is housed at the university of arizona institute of the environment Mike Crimmins is a principal investigator with Klimas, a professor of soil, water, and environmental science in the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences, and climate extension specialist with the University of Arizona Cooperative Extension. Zach Guido is a research scientist with the Institute of the Environment and UA program manager of the International Research and Applications Program. The podcast is edited and produced by Ben McMahon, research, outreach, and assessment specialist with Klimas. We we don't have to edit that. <laughs> this is gonna, this is going to be tough. It's going to be great. <laughs> Let me start that again.